Brukhama Boyim. Welcome. Good evening. So start this way. Good evening. No cat tonight. We don't have the cat yet. Okay. The cat has not yet signed into this year. Welcome to our Wednesday night year. Tonight is Dalit year, my son's birthday. Malutov, we should have long, happy years. Nachas from his children. Nachas from us. This week we have Pashas Tazia Mitzayra. But we just can't keep up with our brethren in Israel who are still going to read Achrei Meis and Kedeshim this week. It'll take a few more weeks till we catch up with each other. This week's Shabbos, we are reading in America, Perik Sheni, the second Perik of Pirkei Aves. Whereas in Israel, our brother in Israel will be reading Perik Shlishi. The texts are now coming in. Someone didn't get online for a change. Let's see. I don't understand how he does this all the time. Let's see if we can find him to join him onto the group. Um, one second, everybody over there. Add to this call. He's not online, that's why. Pashtazia Mitzayra. When the two are joined together, on Wednesday, if those who are learning Chitas, the Chumash, the Tilim, and the Tanya of the week, Chumash is every week divided up, the Pasha, the portion, the Torah portion, is divided up every day of the week. Sunday we say from the beginning to the Sheni, on Monday from Sheni to Shlishi, etc. When the Parshas are together, we do it according to, with the way it's divided up according to the reading of the Torah as well. On Wednesday, we have the bridge. On Wednesday, we will read partially the end of Tazria and partially the beginning of Mitzayra. So it's therefore apropos for us to decide tonight what is it that brings the two of them together. Also this week we celebrated Bez Iyer, the birthday of the Reb Marash, The Alter Rebbe was the first Chabad Rebbe, his son was the Mitle Rebbe, his son-in-law and successor then was the Tzemach Tzedek, and the son of the Tzemach Tzedek was the Rebbe Marash. So let us begin with a story of the Rebbe Marash. Ironically, I get a much better reaction when I, from people when I say, let's start with a story. It doesn't mean I'm a master storyteller, but at least it gives a little bit more life to the situation. 
And we'll also, besides a little bit of Pirkei also learn a little bit of Mesech Saita, as we had said throughout the month, throughout the weeks of Svir Saimer, between Pesach and Shavuos. Every day we learn one blot of the Gemara of Saita, being that there are 49 blot in Saita, coinciding with the 49, page, 49 days of Sefirah. The Reb Marash had a chassid that lived in a little offbeat path town. And it wasn't really a town, it was a townlet. Now again, for us suburban people, us people that live in cities, in bigger cities, smaller cities, but we live in suburbia, to understand what a townlet was in those days is extremely difficult. But a townlet could have had seven people, six and a half families. This fellow, this chassid, ran an inn. Now the inn, you have to understand also, is not hotel Motel 6. The inn was a little bit less sophisticated probably. But the most integral part of the inn was its liquor. That was the most attracting, attractive part of the inn, that they can supply liquor. By the way, my video is working in the group. Yes. What to do with you? You soft. Okay. We will take this outside later. This Jew, this chassid, was selling liquor and also some food. And the local peasants appreciated his honesty, appreciated his service, and therefore would patronize him. There were no other Jews in the area, so a minion he didn't have. The only thing that he had that was not novel to those areas was a nice, loving, Jew-loving priest. And the priest looked for any opportunity to be able to hang this Jew. He got so rabid, his anti-Semitism, that he opened another inn to try to close down the Jew. But the people had two very interesting reactions to that. One was, we like the Jew. We like his honesty. We like the way he treats us. We're not leaving him. Another reaction was, I'm not going to drink in front of the priest. I'll be so uncomfortable drinking in front of the priest. So if I can't get drunk in front of the priest, I'm not going in there. So that ploy didn't work either. Finally, he had to resort to the ultimate plan. And he came into the Jew, and he sat down in the inn, and he said to him, Moshka, you win. I want to make peace with you. I want to live with you in, in, in harmony. And to celebrate, let's sit down and say the Chaim. Give me your finest bottle of vodka. And he took out a bunch of coins. He put them down on the table. Give us your finest bottle of vodka. You and I were going to celebrate our welcome. And the Yid took out the finest bottle of vodka. And he opened it up. And he was about to pour. And the guy says, wait a minute, the father says. We're celebrating here. We're celebrating solidarity. Bring in some more peasants. 
And when he went out to bring in some peasants, the priest put some poison into the vodka bottle. And as soon as the peasants came in and Moshka poured for the Goyim, the first guy that slacked up before he even said L'chaim, keeled over immediately. Everybody was shocked. And the priest jumped up with an accusing finger and said, Look, he's poisoning us, he's trying to kill us. Immediately he was arrested. And in those days there was an interesting form of bail. Instead of posting monetary bail, they took the whole family. The wife and the children were put into prison, and he was set on bail now to face his trial in two weeks. Immediately, he jumped on a train and traveled to the city of Lubavitch. And he came to see the Reb Marash for a bracha, for an idea, for a blessing, for a solution how to override this. And as he arrived in Lubavitch and he told the Shamas, the Gabbai, he wants to go into the Rebbe, the Shamas went in and told the Rebbe, the Rebbe said, came out, the Rebbe told the Shamas, go out and tell him, not today, too many people. And this repeated itself on a second and a third day and the Chassid was starting to feel forlorn and forsaken. What will become of me? The Rebbe even doesn't want to see me. The Rebbe realizes the situation is so dire and severe, he won't even talk to me. Finally, on the fourth day, the Rebbe called in the Chassid. And the Chassid burst out into tears and started to cry and to cry and to cry. The Rebbe took out a little pouch of money and said, this is enough money to pay for a train ticket home in first class. Goodbye. Chassid was shocked. Goodbye? No bracha? No, no, no solution? No idea? No aids or nothing? But the Rebbe said goodbye, you don't ask questions. He backed out of the room. And he immediately went to the train station and he purchased a first class ticket. My friends, when you hear first class today and you get on a plane in first class, they have a very interesting different planes, different airlines. First class on some airlines is another seat with a little curtain behind you. On these domestic flights, they're going from New York, Chicago. The first class seats have a little curtain behind you. And they give you an extra drink every time they turn around. <laughs> then you get first class in some airlines. You have a spa. <laughs> you can take a shower in first class. It's, it's just mind-boggling what they don't do there. So you can well imagine 200 years ago on a train, first class. It was amazing. <laughs> you had a little cabin, an extra large closet. An extra large closet. Peanut gallery. And he gets into his cabin and he sits down and it's time to daven. So he puts on his talus and his tefillin and it hit him. It finally hit him the reality that even the Rebbe doesn't have a blessing for him. He's in really bad shape. And as he starts to pray, he starts to cry and to bawl like a baby. And he, I don't know if you ever did this, don't 
try it at home, as we say in America. When you're in a place where there's a lot of noise, you automatically speak louder. You go to a wedding, you go to a mitzvah, and everybody's clamoring and talking. You tend to scream louder. You're scared to talk louder. And if everything all of a sudden becomes quiet, you're still talking, is very embarrassing. By the way, for those that are listening on Skype and weren't around, weren't available, uh, we had an engagement this week. My daughter got engaged, Baruch Hashem. And um, Sunday we had a beautiful engagement party here in the house. And Baruch Hashem, wedding, we'll keep you posted. Hope we're going to come in from Atlanta and everywhere else. I hope you're going to come in for the wedding. Without the cat. Cat's not invited. Family's invited, but not... If the cat is part of the family, we're going to rethink that invitation. Anyway, he's crying in the, in the train, and because the train is making such noise, such tumult, <coughs> okay, I just got a message from Atlanta, Georgia, the cat won't come. Okay, we will notify you exactly when the wedding is. I hope email is good enough. I hope we don't have to send an actual written invitation. But if we do, just please let us know and we shall see to that. <coughs> the chassid is sitting in the cabin and he starts to cry and he's crying louder than the engine. Now when you're crying in first class, you're in a little room, a little cabin. And you have a cabin next to you. And the next door neighbor in the cabin did not appreciate the noise. And he knocks on his door and the guy opens up, the chus is sitting there, the talus and the tune. What a sight for a Russian aristocrat to see a guy in a talus and tune with a beard. His eyes are red and he's bawling and he says, Eh, uh, mister, can you pipe down? You're disturbing me. But he saw that the Jew is genuinely distraught. And he says, uh, what's wrong? And the chassid starts to explain to him what happened. And starts telling him the whole story. How the priest put poison into the liquor. And on and on and on. In the meantime, the noise in the first class cabins was so, so great. And the Jew crying and, and bawling and telling his story. People from the other cabins started to come out. And he had a crowd. Five, six people standing there listening to his story. He gets home. And he's at a loss. Tomorrow's the trial. What do I do? What will I say? He comes into the trial. And the judges are sitting like real judges with their white wigs and their long white black gowns. And they're sitting on the table, the, up on the... Uh, what's it called? Podium. It's not a podium. The judges' table. And they're hearing the case. Uh-oh. Another cat joined the shear, folks. We have, this one's black. It's in Brooklyn, I think, this one. Anyway. <laughs> it also can't come to the wedding. <laughs> this is a new novelty now. I thank God the cats were not here when I asked the questions about the dogs. That would have upset them. Anyway... 
the first witness and the second witness came to the testify and the Jew was in big trouble. Finally, the priest gets up to tell the story. And the priest gets up and tells the story of how the Jew put the poison in the vodka and he poisoned the peasant. Immediately one of the judges says, "Uh, Excuse me? Is that indeed a fact that the Jew put poison in the... He says, Yes, Your Honor. And the judge says, Excuse me, you didn't say something differently last night? He said, last night? You told us something different last night. I said, what are you talking about? At which point the judges removed their wigs and stood up and said, we were your guests last night in your house. We also came here, arrived on the same train as the defendant. We arrived in the train on first class, where the defendant told us his story. We came to your house to investigate. We pried you with a little bit of liquor, and you told us your true story, how you poisoned the vodka. And immediately the case turned around, the priest was taken away, and the Jews were exonerated. The Jew was exonerated. So we see a miracle from the Rebbe Marash, which tells us something very unique about this week's Parsha. This week's Parsha begins with Isha ki Sazria, if a woman will give birth, the Yolda Zacher, she will have a boy. And the Parsha begins to talk about the Bris Mila. The bris milah is the only mitzvah in the entire Torah that's referred to as a pact between the Jews and God. A pact that lasts forever and ever. And therefore, we see that when a person is sincere and takes on, and we say by a bris, Kishem shenichnas bris, the same way he came to the bris, so too he should enter into the chuppah, into the canopy, and to Torah, and to the Maisim Tevim, good deeds. <laughs> they tell a story of a groom that showed up to his wedding without pants on. And they asked him, excuse me, what are you doing? He says, by my bris, they said, just like by the bris, that's how I should come to the chuppah. So I came to the same way to the chuppah. Okay, that nobody had to understand. It was just, I had to get off my chest. <laughs> I saw, I don't know, I can't substantiate it, but I saw somebody wrote today a quote from the Rebbe. And the quote was actually a joke. It's a joke that the Rebbe once told, apparently. The story was of a two, two people, two men, that met, that were sitting in a doctor's office in the waiting room. And he says, what are you doing here? He says, look, I have this terrible peta on my foot, a terrible infection. And he says, that's so strange. I have the same infection on my foot. And he shows him his exact same thing. 
So the first patient goes in, and the entire waiting room hears his screaming and yelling, yelling and bellowing and screaming and crying. After a half hour of treatment, the man comes out, he wobbles out, and he sits down on the chair, and he can't breathe, he can't recuperate, he's bandaged up. And the second fellow had to go in. And the second fellow goes in, and the other man remains in the waiting room. Five minutes later, the door opens up. The fellow is standing there, shaking the doctor's hand with a smile on his face. Thank you, doctor, be well. And the doctor closes the door, and the other patient says to him, Come here. He says, You had the same thing on your leg as I did. How come you came out after only five minutes, and with no pain, nothing? He says, Ha ha. I heard the way you were screaming. I heard what your treatment for that wound is. I showed him my other leg. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't getting myself into this mess. Um, Tazria also means to plant. We know when Tazria and Mitzayra are read together, that within itself has a different <coughs> message for us. There's a Gemara, a tractate Sanhedrin, that tells us that Mashiach is going to suffer a leprosy before redeeming the Jewish nation. The purification that our Parsha talks about is the true redemption that we will go through when Mashiach comes. Mashiach suffers together with the Jewish nation prior to revealing himself, prior to redeeming the nation. So when we read together these two parshas, the parsha of Tazia talks about the saras that we go through, the leprosy, and Mitzayda Zaystia it's referred to, because the parsha begins with the word Zaystia. These will be. And it changes over to teach us that this is not just a future thing, but by learning these laws, we will merit the redemption of Mashiach. One of the parts of the purification is going in the mikveh. Immersing in the mikveh. There was a story several years ago of a woman that was converting to Judaism and she did everything that was necessary the last step going to the mikveh she couldn't bring herself to doing but she wanted to be Jewish genuinely but she couldn't bring herself to immersing in the mikveh and she wrote a letter to the Rebbe about her dilemma And the Rebbe answered her. The mikveh 
the Torah does not call a convert a non-Jew that converts. The Torah refers to the convert as a convert that converts to Judaism. The question everybody always asks is if it's a convert already, why are they converting? Shouldn't they be Jewish? Shouldn't they be non-Jewish before they convert? Why are they considered a convert prior to conversion? And the Rebbe says there's a Gemara Masech that's Yevomis, Tractate Yevomis, that tells us, Gesh in his Gayer Domi. A convert that converts is like a child that's born. Who's a newborn child. So the Rebbe said to the woman, The newborn child can only come into this world, can only exist nine months in the holy water of the womb. Swimming in the womb and within the liquids of, of the fluids of the womb. Those fluids are the same fluids as there are in the mikveh. And therefore, just like the child relies on purification, elevation from the waters in the womb, so too the ultimate last stage of a purification is through the waters of immersing in the mikveh. And that gave her the strength, gave her the kayak to go to the mikveh. During immersing in the mikveh, the Holy Shalah tells us that the words are recited, Lev Tahira Brali Alekim. A pure heart God created for me. Tahira Brali is an acronym of the word Taval, to dip, to immerse. And therefore, one is purified from the mikveh as they leave the waters. Just like when the child comes into the world with the head first. Recently heard a story because the truth is Tazria, Bitsaida, the whole Saras business is a very awkward situation. It comes about when a person speaks Lashon Hara. I once mentioned this in a shir. Many years ago, there was a comic, a kosher comic, obviously because there were so many comic books out from the other companies. Someone was kind enough to compile a kosher comic called Mendy and the Golem. Mendy and the Golem? And the Golem. Amendi and the Golem was an amazing thing. It was an amazing, amazing comic. And it had many lessons to it. Oh, here goes the uh, Skype is acting up. The internet is acting up. I hope nobody's being disturbed. I hope you all hear me. Amendi and the Golem had many different lessons to it, many different stories. And of course, a lot of it was fictitious, but ultimately with a lesson. One of the ideas that had come up with, and I was bringing it up to the editor, and ultimately he went out of business before we got this implemented, was the storyline was, in the town, there was a problem in the water. 
And the problem in the water caused a very interesting issue. It caused that a person can hear what you are thinking. How many times have you said something to somebody but thought something else? Don't even try counting. So in this issue, they were going, we were going to try to tell a story of how severe it is not to be echad bepeh and echad belev, one opinion in your mouth and another in your heart. Saras, leprosy, one of the things that comes about from leprosy is from Lashon Hara. Talking Lashon Hara was a horrific, horrific sin. Blasphemy, talking about somebody, telling a story about somebody else that causes other people to either form an opinion or to whatever. If you're talking Lashon Hara, with even especially if it has no tayelas, nothing to, nothing accomplished by it. The Bashemtiv says kills three people: the one that says it, the one that said about, and the one that hears it. And so too, the sin is is punished the same way. When a person says Lashon Hara, what do they do? They cause a rift between people. Did you hear what this guy said about you? Did you hear what this guy did about did to you? Or did in general, therefore people don't want to talk to that person, don't want to associate with that person. So they cause a breakup, a rift between people. The punishment therefore is leprosy, and the person has to be in solitary confinement outside of the entire Jewish nation. It's a midah, keneged midah. An attribute facing an attribute. The punishment apropos to the sin. The story is told also. So this is a story that I heard recently. A uh, principal in a school in Bnei Brak. Not a Chabad school, but a Hasidic school was walking by one day and he saw a young boy with the holy book of the Tanya. The Tanya is the what's called the Bible of Chassidus. The Tanya Kadisha was written by the Alter Rebbe, by the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. And that is the basis of Chassidus, of all Chassidus Chabad. And he sees this young boy Studying Tanya. He says, what, um, what do you have with Tanya? He says, the Lubavitch Rebbe told me to. The Lubavitch Rebbe told you to? Says, yeah. How so? And the boy began his story. So several years ago, two years to be exact my sister who today is 15 years old woke up one morning and could not talk 
My mother thought she had a cold, she had something, she brought her a tea, she brought her this, well that. There was no voice coming out of my sister's throat. Try what we may to coach her and to coax her and to... It was just not working. The girl was not talking. The wife called the husband, come home immediately, because this is more serious than it sounds. And the husband came home, and again, the child was not talking. They arranged for an appointment by a big professor, who in the beginning they told would have appointments in six months, but when they said how severe the situation is, he immediately set up an appointment. And they arrived at the professor's office, and the professor put the child up on the table, looked into the child's throat, and started to scream at the parents, How dare you! How dare you make fun of me! Try to humiliate me! Try to mock me! I give you an appointment, I stop the world to let you come to my office, and you come here with this, this farce? They were shocked. Said, Professor, what are you referring to? What do you mean the child doesn't talk? This child never spoke. The child has no vocal cords. Said, Doctor, this child spoke. This child, it was our daughter. For 13 years she spoke. One day she just stopped. Professor couldn't believe it. They said, Professor, call the school. She goes to school, call the school. She's an honor student. She just delivered a speech last week in school. When the professor runs out and he tells the secretary, call the school. I have to see this. This is just not, not possible. And they call the school and they verify that the child indeed delivered a speech the week before. I can't help you. Medically, this girl does not speak. And so they traveled from one doctor to the next. And one professor to the other, Europe, and here and there, to no avail. Finally, somebody recommended they traveled to New York and to see the Rebbe. They had nothing with the Rebbe. No connection. No affiliation. They couldn't imagine why they would even do such a thing. But, it was recommended. So they went. What could they lose at the moment the child has no voice? And they came to the Rebbe, and the parents went in, and the parents told their story. And the Rebbe asked the parents to leave, and she should stay alone. 
the daughter, the girl should stay alone in the room. The Rebbe told the girl, you're not an immature child, you're very mature, you're very bright, you're very understanding. I'm going to tell you something, and I understand, and I believe that you're going to understand me. There was a soul. in which you are reincarnation of. This soul returned to earth in your body. And the soul has to fix something in this world that they didn't do in their previous life. However, since they did not have to talk to rectify what was done, The soul was returned to a body with no vocal cords, so you should not talk. But, there's a solution. Do you want to speak? Child shook her head, yes. The ambassador again, do you want to speak? And the child shook her head, yes. And the Rebbe says, I'm not looking at you. Answer my question. Do you want to speak? And the child said, Yes, Rebbe, I want to speak. So the Rebbe told her, You go home, back to B'nai Brak, and you have to gather as many not religious Jewish girls as you know, and every Shabbat have lead a Shabbat group. Teach them about Judaism, and you'll be fine. Says the boy, my sister came home, has an average of 50 girls every Shabbat, and has a beautiful Sibat Shabbat. But the next year my parents decided to take me for a bracha by the Lubavitch Rebbe, and to thank the Rebbe for giving the child a voice back. And when I came in, the Rebbe asked, where am I learning? I told him I'll be learning in a Hasidish yeshiva, and the Rebbe said, you should learn a half hour a day, Tanya. So therefore, I learn a half hour a day, Tanya. Again, we don't understand the mission, the idea, the train of thought. But this is the purpose of which we have found in this world. This is the mission that we are given to be on this world and thereby what we have to accomplish. We don't know, we don't always hear from the Rebbe why our Nisham is on this world. We don't always hear or get a message from an angel why we are on this world. But our job is to do what we can in this world. Pasha Tazir has to follow Pasha Shmini. 
The end of Pashashmini refers to the kosher, consum- consuming of kosher food, kosher animals, and all the things that we may not eat. The beginning of Tazriah talks about childbirth. What connection is there? The simplest form is a person who's a woman that's not always ultra careful with her kasha standards. If she's pregnant, it is a time that she should be ultra careful because it affects directly to the child. The holy sage of Yechenon was born to a woman who had a very, very traumatic pregnancy. And when it came Yom Kippur and they told her she has to eat, she refused because it's Yom Kippur, she wanted to fast. In the merit of her fasting in Yom Kippur, she was was blessed with a son like the sage of Yechanan. You know, the Pasha begins talking about the bris milah. There are many, many things to talk about the bris milah. There's one cu- one thing that I've seen recently in the Sefer. There's different honors that are given out during the circumcision. One of the honors given out by the circumcision is called the kvater. Kvater, the kvater and kvaterin are a couple. It has to be a couple, a husband and a wife, or a brother and a sister, or a chasna and a kala. And the girl takes the baby from the female, takes the baby from the mother, and meets the husband by the door. And the husband then brings in the boy to the bris. Therefore he's called kvater, and she's called kvaterin. Someone once translated, what's kvater? Not alta. That's my whole problem, my diverticulitis is because of that. Oh, sorry. Kvatir. Tir means door. It's kavea till the door. The person can only come till the door. The woman should not mix and mingle with the men in the men's section. I saw, therefore, a very interesting custom. The kvaterin, the woman that takes the child from the mother, should bring a gift. Not for the baby, for the mother. No, because she's somewhat full of trepidation, giving up her newborn eight-day-old baby to go through a bris. Balid, the Kaev, Siduele, Studve. It hurts. How many other languages do you want to hear it in? He said that the first time. 
And the mother is standing there, my baby, my infant. I just gave birth to this child that I'm going to give him to be cut, hurt. So therefore, the Kvaterin gives a gift to the mother to alleviate her discomfort, her slight pain that she might be going through prior to the bris. So that she gives up the child with a bigger heart, with a fuller heart. We know that the leprosy, the negatzeras, in a house, if it was in the wall of a house, they had to break it out and take out all the bricks. Medish tells us that when that happened, when a person broke out the bricks, they found treasures. Why? The Amorayim, before... When they heard the Jews were coming to conquer Israel, the land of Canaan, they hid all their treasures. Now the question is, why did they hide them and not destroy them? They didn't want the Jews to get it. and They knew they, weren't able, they wouldn't be able to run away with it. Why not destroy it? And the message tells us, they knew the reason they were being thrown out of the land is because the Holy Land was spitting them out. Because they were not fit to be in the land. They did not behave properly. They also knew that the Jews too would also be driven out of the land. Eventually the Jews will sin and also be driven out. At that point, they were hoping, hope against hope, that they return to their homes and get back their treasures that they have buried. Little be known to them that it didn't happen at all that way, and that the Almighty revealed the Tzeras. What a strange medrash. That if there was a leprosy in the wall of a house, a person broke out the leprosy and found a treasure. Leprosy, we said before, was a punishment. The person did something severely wrong. For example, speaking Lashon Hara Rachman al-Islam. What happens? What does happen when the person does get the leprosy? They come to the Kohen, to the priest. And the Kohen has to examine. And if the Kohen decides that this is impure, they have to leave the Machna. Until it come back to the Kohen and the Kohen says it's now pure. And the Torah tells us that if it's within the skin, if it's in, embedded in the skin, engraved in the skin... And we see ultimately the same thing with the house. 
that everything is to be cut away, and they find a treasure. The Taita is telling us a lesson, because ultimately today there is no leprosy. But the Torah is teaching us that a person has to do soul searching. A person has to look within themselves to see where that treasure is buried within themselves. Each and every person has a treasure within themselves. And our mission, our job is to soul search, to find that treasure, to reveal that treasure, and to bring it out, and to to expose it, so that the world can benefit from the treasure. I'd just like to turn to the Gemara, a small piece of this tractate Saita on Yud Gimel Amar Aleph, which is in the week, the past week. The Gemara is teaching us about Ma'aras HaMachpelah in Hebron, the burial spot of the forefathers. And the Gemara continues a narrative. Chushim Don Taman Hava. Chushim, the son of Don, was there at the confrontation. What was the confrontation? Esav came forth and refused to let Yaakov be buried. He said, Excuse me, it's my part. And what they had to do, they had left the deed of the burial spot in Egypt, and they sent Naphtali, who was very light footed to sprint back to Egypt and to get the star, to get the contract. Chushim at this point heard this story, saw that there's a delay, excuse me, saw that there's a delay of the burial. But he was deaf. He couldn't hear. My high. He asked, what is going on here? Vamrulay says the Yumar, they told him, Kome Akivhai, this guy is blocking us, this guy referring to Asaf. Ados and Aftoli Ma'ara the Mitzayim until Naftali returns from Egypt and can produce the contract, the ownership. Omar Luhu Khushim said to them, the Ad Osi Naftoli Ma'ara the Mitzrayim until Naftoli returns from Egypt? Avi Abba Mutl Bibizoyan? My grandfather will lie here in embarrassment, humiliation, not being able to be buried? Shokal Kulpa. He took hold of a stick, Mechaya Reshe, and he smacked it across the back of the head of Esav. And he killed him. Nisran Ene, Esau's eyes popped out of his head. Venoflu Avara the Yaakov and fell at the feet of Yaakov. Yaakov was a body now ready to be buried. The Gemara tells us, Paschinhu Yaakov Leene Vachich. Yaakov opened his eyes and smiled. And this is what it says in the Pasuk, it's written in the scriptures, Yismach Tzadik Ki Chozanachem. The Tzadik would rejoice when he sees vengeance. Because Pa'om of Yirchatz B'dam HaRosha. 
and he will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked one. Be'aisei Shah says the Yamada at that very moment, Niskaiman of Rivka, Rivka's prophecy came forth where she said, both her children will die on the same day. Ultimately they don't die the same day, but they are buried on the same day. Says the Gemara. So we see therefore, we don't know what our mission is, but as the expression in America is, what goes around, comes around. And therefore Esav, who all his life lived in a pretense, lived in this lie of who he really is, lived in a lie showing his father that he was really righteous, lived in a lie where he knew he sold a Bechera, he sold the rights of the firstborn, but still always had in the back of his mind that he was going to take the rights of the firstborn, was put to rest very, very easily. There's a Mishnah in this week's Perek Pirkei Ovis, Perek Beis, Mishnah Gimel. And the Mishnah reads as follows, Have a Zahidin Baroshus, Be wary of those in power, for they befriend a person only for their own benefit. For their own benefit. They look like they're friends, they look they have this love when it's at their advantage. But they won't stand by the man in his hour of need. It's a not literal, this interpretation is not literal to it. But it's a very important lesson. When the Mishnah says those people that are in power, it refers to our conscious ego. It refers to, this is not talking about other people, we have to be weary of other people. This whole Mishnah is talking to us about us. That ego that's within the person, the thoughts and the feelings of the ego, we have to rely on these powers to control the functioning of our lives. We have to be aware of the fundamental self-interest of the person. But you should know the ego is only concerned with number one, me. It's through only this type of self-transcendence that a person can ultimately achieve the true benefit of the person and the person can go through that far higher than can be perceived by intellect and can achieve within himself what he needs to accomplish, what he needs to bring about. So again we see a Mishnah teaching us the lesson of how we have to conduct ourselves, how we have to lead our lives, so that within ourselves we do the right thing. The Pasuk tells us, The whole structure 
of how it had to come about that the Kayin had to tell the person that he's pure. However, again, a translation which is in a higher sphere, a higher level. Pasuk says, The Kayin will come Ve'era and his saw, vine pasa anega babayis. The pasa is in the house. Ve'lokach lechte es habayis, and he has to bring in shteitzi peidim two birds, and ve'etz eres and cedar wood, u'shnitz elas and red thread, ve'ezev and grass. And slaughters the first one. And then he takes and he immerses and he sends the live one of Pnei Asada to the field. And be forgiven for the house. The tear will be pure. The true deep explanation is as follows. Since Terah is translated in four forms, in Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said, the literal translation of the Pshat we heard. But this is what ultimately is the lesson of this Pasuk. Uva HaKoyen refers to the Almighty God. The Kohen is a Kohen Godel, is our God Almighty. Ve'eroi and he saw Vinepasa Anega Babayis. A plague spread in his house, in the holy temple, the Beis Hamikdash. And therefore he decreed that the temple should be destroyed. In order to rectify the situation and to restore the holy temple, Hashem said, Take the two tziporim, two birds, as refers to Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. The word tzipor, numerical value is 370. 370 is the same numerical value as the words ze. Mashiach. This is Mashiach. Also to take eight eres. This is eight eres. Arze Halavonin refers to our Tamid Chachomim, to our sages. Ushni Selas refers to Klal Yisrael, the Jewish nation. The Ezev is the young grass, the young children of the nation. Veshachat Zatzipar and the first Mashiach is killed. The first Mashiach dies. And then afterwards is the gathering, the ingathering of the exiles, which begins with Velakach, and you will take. Hashem will gather all the Tamidachachom and the Klal Yisrael and the young children who are dispersed all over. Vitaval and he will immerse them in the holy waters. He will purify the Jewish nation and prepare them for the redemption. 
And then finally, Veshilach es Atzipar Hachaya. God will send the live bird, the real Mashiach, Pneasode, to Zion, to Zion. As we know, Sode is referred to in Yirmiya as the Holy Land. And he will forgive the sins of the Holy Temple and rebuild the third base Hamikdash. And it will be pure forever. And this is the blessing that we are anticipating from this Aziah Mitzayda, from going into this Shabbos. And we anticipate that Vetiher, God will declare us all pure, and our purity will stand in our stead, and being the nation, a pure nation, an Amech Kulam Tzadikim, a nation of pure and righteous people, we will merit this very Shabbos, before the Shabbos, the revelation of Mashiach Tzadkenu, and we will be in Yerushalayim, and the wedding will be in Yerushalayim, and maybe we'll let the cats run around, because there's a lot of cats in Yerushalayim. Shabbat Shalom to all.